ministers and commercial business. Ministers cannot do work for God and at the same time carry the burden of large personal business enterprises. Such a division of interest dims their spiritual perception. The mind and heart are occupied with earthly things, and the service of Christ takes a second place. They seek to shape their work for God by their circumstances, instead of shaping circumstances to meet the demands of God. The energies of the minister are all needed for this high calling. His best powers belong to God. He should not engage in speculation or in any other business that would turn him aside from his great work. No man that warreth, Paul declared, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 2 Timothy 2.4 Thus the apostle emphasized the minister's need of unreserved consecration to the master's service. The minister who is wholly consecrated to God refuses to engage in business that would hinder him from giving himself fully to a sacred calling. He is not striving for earthly honor or riches. His one purpose is to tell others of the Savior, who gave himself to bring to human beings the riches of eternal life. His highest desire is not to lay up treasures in this world, but to bring to the attention of the indifferent and disloyal the realities of eternity. He may be asked to engage in enterprises which promise large worldly gain, but to such temptations he returns the answer, What shall a profit a man? if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Mark 8.36 Satan presented the inducement to Christ, knowing that if he accepted it, the world would never be ransomed. And under different guises, he presents the same temptation to God's ministers today, knowing that those who are beguiled by it will be false to their trust. It is not God's will that his ministers should seek to be rich. Regarding this, Paul wrote to Timothy, The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced their sums through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. 1 Timothy 6, 10, 11. By example as well as by precept, the ambassador for Christ is to charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. 1 Timothy 6 verses 17 to 19. The Acts of the Apostles, pages 365 to 367. Ministers cannot carry the burden of the work while at the same time they're carrying the burden of farms or other business enterprises, having their hearts on their earthly treasure. Their spiritual discernment is dimmed. They cannot appreciate the wants of the cause of God and therefore cannot put forth well-directed efforts to meet its emergencies and to advance its interests. The want of a full consecration to the work on the part of the minister is soon felt all through the field where he labors. If his own standard is low, he will not bring others to accept a higher one. Subheading, Land and Mining Speculation. 
The Lord cannot glorify his name through ministers who attempt to serve God and mammon. We are not to urge men to invest in mining stock or in city lots, holding out the inducement that the money invested will be doubled in a short time. Our message for this time is, Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 12, 33, 34. Just before the Israelites entered the land of Canaan, Satan sought to seduce them and lead them to idolatry, thinking to compass their ruin. He works in the same way in our day. There are young men whom God would accept as workers together with him. They have become absorbed in the real estate craze and have sold their interest in the truth for the prospect of worldly advantage. There are many who hold themselves away from the service of God because they desire worldly gain, and Satan uses them to lead others astray. The tempter comes to men as he came to Jesus, presenting the glory of the world. And when a measure of success attends their ventures, they become greedy for more gain, lose their love for the truth, and their spirituality dies. The immortal inheritance, the love of Jesus, is eclipsed to their vision by the fleeting prospects of this world. The people will seldom rise higher than their minister. A world-loving spirit in him has a tremendous influence upon others. The people make his deficiencies an excuse to cover their own world-loving spirit. They quiet their consciences, thinking that they may be free to love the things of this life and be indifferent to spiritual things because their ministers are so. They deceive their own souls and remain in friendship with the world, which the apostle declares to be an enmity against God. Romans 8, 7. Ministers should be examples to the flock. They should manifest an undying love for souls and the same devotion to the cause which they desire to see in the people. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, pages 645-646. We are nearing the close of time. We want not only to teach present truth in the pulpit, but to live it out of the pulpit. Examine closely the foundation of your hope of salvation. While you stand in the position of a herald of truth, a watchman upon the walls of Zion, you cannot have your interest interwoven with mining or real estate business, and at the same time do effectually the sacred work committed to your hands. Where the souls of men are at stake, where eternal things are involved, the interest cannot safely be divided. Testimonies for the Church, page 530.